0: We are the ones who live
1: here.
2: arakasaniu ko.
0: i I'm Dunya Faki, and we are proud to share with you these stories of life in Lebanon. This episode contains discussions of the effects of war. We don't discuss them in a graphic way, but we know that some people may still find stories on this topic difficult to hear. If it feels like this might be you, take care of yourself first. Childhood is a time of feeling things deeply, even when we don't understand them. Later, we try to understand these things through the lens of what we've learned as adults. But some childhood memories burn brighter than our lives do now, because some memories, somehow, explain the world in its poetry and its complexity. This is such a memory from Rita Hanna.
2: Have you ever touched the skies? Have you ever touched the clouds? Have you ever reached the moment where time and space disappear? where you meet emptiness, I mean there, up above. Have you ever touched it? My uncle is my pilot to the dream world. I remember the dream where I was four years old, and my jet plane to that world was a silver, shiny ladder on the roof of our four-story building. Climbing that ladder was our little forbidden secret, for my mother would never let me take such a dangerous risk It was impossible for a four-year-old foot to balance on the wet ladder steps. I remember seeing my pink shoe drifting between the steps just before my uncle stood behind me and helped me climb. When I would reach the fifth step, big hands would lift me up, launching my flight up in the air. Nothing felt more secure than his wide, tanned arms lifting me from his eyes as he raised me above the clouds. And threw me high, very, very high. And that felt like home. And there, time stopped for a very small moment. And I started coloring the wind with my finger, framing each and every cloud. And just then, I started falling into his arms. I was falling into his smile. His vibrant eyes made me leave the magical clouds to meet the fantastic emptiness. Just like eternity. Yes, it was eternally beautiful how my hands could cover his eyes and play with his nose. I was allowed to pull on his soft cheeks until they turned red. He used to put me in front of the mirror and ask me, Who did that to me? Who turned my cheeks red? Now I'm ugly, and I would scream, no, you are not ugly, you have the best smile on earth. But be careful, eternity is tricky. It can be the worst sometimes, it can transform dreams to nightmares. My uncle disappeared for an eternal year, the skies disappeared, and the ladder became forbidden again. Skies would rain and wet the ladder steps. I was afraid to climb the silver ladder because no one was there to catch me back. It was really cold. I remember putting my small hand on its step and then fleeing it away because it was so cold. But I did not know why. I used to think that I was stealing that touch from my mother's screams forbidding me from climbing the ladder and getting hurt. Everything was calm without my uncle. Adventures disappeared, and the skies were not blue and serene anymore. I do not know what color they became. He used to tell me that I could take a pen and color the sky, whenever it doesn't look beautiful. But the sky was ugly, and I couldn't change it without him. And he was not there. My mother would tell me he's at his job, serving the country, and playing with other kids, kids who do not have homes anymore. And I was jealous of them. Why do they have my uncle? I want him back. I want to feel home again. Home was empty. Until one day, my mom called him. Out of nowhere, she never agreed to call him when I said I missed his voice. I wanted to speak to him, to ask him how to color the skies again. Only this time, as I stood in the door, watching my mother speak to him, I was afraid, because I could hear that his voice was hesitant as he said, I'm okay, I'm okay, yes, I'm okay. My mother was screaming, thanks to God, and shaking her hair. She knew he was not okay. I knew that from her look. I ran into the room, and my aunt took me away. In that room there were screams. Kids screaming and crying, women shouting. His voice disappeared. The call ended. But no one was the same. We all changed, even him. My uncle went to war. He disappeared for a year, and his voice came back from the dusty clouds of concern and terror, full of screams. He got back, but with a broken back. He was no pilot anymore. He became a sleeper. He was not able to throw me in the air. He was not able to fly me to the skies and I was not able to touch the clouds anymore. Everything around was so empty without his laugh and smile. He was sleepy all day. He was covering his head on the couch without even moving for eternal days. Until one day, my uncle woke up. He got on his feet, although his back was still curved. I used to hear people saying, at least he got up. At least he woke up. As if he was supposed to become a sleeper forever. I was scared by that. So I started teaching him how to walk. I used to put each and every step of mine beside one of his. The left one when he moved it and the right one, when it went forward. It was shocking how his big, confident steps were now smaller than mine. I couldn't bear that, especially whenever he was in pain walking. But my smart uncle noticed that I was not playing anymore. I was assisting his walk. So he used to compare our feet asking, which one is bigger? And then I used to smile and I could see he was getting his smile back again from that pain. Days passed and we started getting out of the eternal labyrinth of wounds and injury. And we learned that he could straighten his back with a corset. I used to climb my fingers button by button to hear the tinkling of their metal. He saw that we could laugh and play again, so one day he got up, and he began to build a swing beneath the vine. He could not climb the roof to fly anymore, so he worked for a week to get us flying with the tinkling chains of that swing. And he taught me how to fly by myself, while he was getting better and better. And soon, we started climbing the ladder again together. Step by step, he became the hero of my dreams again.
0: Rita experienced the war through pieces of her uncle, from her home in Jbeil, Biblos. She caught a fragment of terror over the phone and she saw its shadow cast over someone she loves. War reaches everywhere in Lebanon. It can get inside your home, hours away from the fighting. We are all on the front lines. And six or seven years after Rita's uncle came home from the war in the south, just across our eastern border, this next young woman lived through another war. She lives here now, and her story was brought to us by Abdul Rauf Muhammad, read in English by Jennifer Nasrallah.
3: This necklace is like a prison. I am a girl who is never lucky. Wherever I go, my bad luck follows me. Nothing goes well with me. You may be wondering how I have no luck when I hold a golden necklace in my hands. I'm always carrying this necklace with me. It is my memory of my father on my wedding day. It is true that this necklace tortures me a lot. But I love it, because it is the only memory of my father. This necklace is like a prison. It reminds me of the prison where my brother died. His death was carved inside my heart. And it imprisoned me in a cell, similar to the one where he was thrown. This necklace tortures me, but I love it. I am barely 24 years old. I was born in Syria. I am Syrian. I was born in a rural area. My childhood was sweet and innocent, until the year 2011, when the war began. The war that you all knew. But there is something you missed. You call it a war, but we, in Syria, we do not call it war. The ones who are with the Syrian regime call it crisis, and the rebels call it revolution. My brother was recruited for the Syrian army. Shortly after, armed men got into our village. There were clashes between the armed men and the Syrian regime. We went to another area and we stayed at my father's friends, hoping the situation will improve in our village so we can get actually back. After a while, they married me off to the son of my father's friend. I did not have a say in that marriage. No one asked me if I wanted to get married or not. However, after a while, the militants entered our area. There was shelling and my father died. My husband joined the rebels, but my brother stayed in the Syrian army. Conflict arose between them and they started threatening each other. My husband divorced me. There was no place left for us to live. We left for Lebanon, thinking that 10 days would be enough before we could go back. But we stayed for 6 years. Those felt like 60 years. Over the days. We found that my brother had died with the Syrian regime. We registered our family. My mother, my two young sisters and me, to get an aid. We are getting aid, but it is very little. Not worth a living. I started working three jobs, but things were not going well. People were not paying me the money I deserve. So I found a 12 hours a day, 7 days per week job, and I said, let it be. I would dress tomorrow instead of today. And then, the dollar rose in Lebanon, and my salary became somehow equal to nothing. I was always feeling constrained by chains. I was subjected to so many questions that bother me such as, why did you get divorced, where are your family, why do you work in two pointless jobs? However, despite everything, I love Lebanon. People here are nice and simple. At least you can tell anyone everything you want to share. It is safe here, not like how things go in our country. There is nothing you can ever share about you, to anyone, or else you would become in danger. I have reached the stage of regret in my life. And if I would think of something, I would say, I regret that I was born. When I think about my mother and my young sisters, I smile. And I say I can resist. Whenever my little sisters come back from school, I get happy and I feel that they are the biggest grace ever. If my father was still alive and my brother beside me, I would have finished my studies just like my friends did. But I have no luck. I am so unlucky and I would not have been through all of this torture, nor I would have left my studies if they were here. I still feel nostalgic when it comes to family gatherings we lost. If my father was still alive, and my brother beside me, no one would have seen this necklace in my hands. I can never leave it, because it is a piece of my deceased father and my discarded brother. If my father had not experienced the crisis in Syria, and if my brother had not been swept away by the army, I would certainly have had luck today instead of this necklace.
0: You know, it could have been her screams that a little girl overheard over the phone while her mom talked with her uncle. It's not, though. It's actually a collage of fragments from interviews of three young Syrian women who live here now. It is a composite story of the aftermath of war, a fractured sort of story held together under pressure with shadows and memory.
1: This podcast was produced by Ben Murad and Farah Khatib. We Are the Ones Who Live Here is a production of Hand Theatre and New Room Studios. Our editorial team is Lola Subah, Roya Mariki, Fatima Razdai, Dunya Fakir, Nasrina Azizi, Cole Makan Phillips, and Leticia Our sound producer is Wilson Vidin. Our music was made by Rafi Ghali, aka Dzatsa. This podcast was made by a large community of incredible people including Jonathan Walters, Andrea Stolowitz, Hermila Yifter, Julie Murad, Nour Al-Halabi, Maya Adra, Rana Baghdadi, Sahara Assaf, Robert Myers, Rami Khouri, and the spirit of Anthony Shadid. We want to hear your stories of life in Lebanon. Reach out to us on Instagram or on Twitter at WeLebanonPod. You can also email us at weLebanonpod at gmail.com. Thank you for listening.
2: Have you ever touched the skies? Have you ever touched the clouds? Have you ever reached the moment where time and space disappear? Yes. <laughs> I just want time and space to disappear, please. <laughs> please. <clears throat> <clears throat>